there. Welcome back to Greater Greener Georgia. I'm Alexis. And I'm Miles, and we're back with the latest environmental news coming out of Georgia. First things first, there's another election coming up this month. I know what you're thinking. I just voted in the primary, so what's going on? Well, there's a rule in Georgia that if no candidate in a race gets more than 50% of the vote, the top two candidates from the race have to go to a runoff. So election day is on June 21st, but early voting starts on June 13th. And make sure to head out to your polling place once again to vote in the runoff election. The race for the Democratic nominee for Secretary of State is going to a runoff, as well as the race for House District 61. GCV has endorsed candidates in both of these races, so it's really important to get out and vote, especially if you live in House District 61, but anyone in the state of Georgia can vote for the Secretary of State. So make sure to go to gcvoters.org endorsements to see who we're supporting and make sure you get out and vote. Next up, um, it's not totally climate or climate legislation related specifically, but um, we wanted to share with our listeners a cool opportunity for high school students, as well as young adults in Atlanta to get involved with their communities and to find good paying jobs this summer. Um, Mayor Dickens has partnered with some of Atlanta's biggest companies, uh, ranging from Coca-Cola and Microsoft to city-run parks and community organizations to provide over 3,000 paid jobs and internships for youth ranging from 14 to 24. There are some seasonal work opportunities, internships, uh, apprenticeships, and even opportunities for long-term careers. Um, this effort is in conjunction with Mayor Dickens' initiative to reduce crime in the city of Atlanta and also provide opportunities for Atlanta's youth to get in on the ground floor of our city's growing economy. The website is super straightforward and easy to use. Just go to atlyouthengage.com to apply as either a young person or an interested employer. So say you're looking for a job, the prompt uh, you just click that you're looking for a job and it takes you through a series of questions that will get you more information about jobs in your area. Mayor Dickens is promising that some of these jobs, most of them will pay starting around $15 an hour. So that's a really good summer job opportunity for, for yeah, anybody awesome. really. Yeah. Um, so it seems to be a great resource. I would be interested in hearing from any of our listeners or anyone that anyone out there knows that has used this service. I'm curious if it's, worked out or how how they've what their experience is with it um, the idea is great because I, I do feel like the hardest part is that connection between someone really wanting a job and employers needing someone to work but it's like really hard to find that connection and a lot of the mm -hmm. job sites out there are really difficult or there's like a ton of people using them so it's hard to get right. in um, so I think that this website atlyouthengage.com will be a great opportunity for young people to get work this summer. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. It sounds like a really cool initiative. Yeah, definitely. Um, so up next, uh, we have some more environmental news coming out of Georgia, but it actually relates to Europe as well. There's new energy policies in Europe that are going to have a really big impact on Georgia's environment. If you didn't already know, Georgia has a huge wood pellet production industry. You can actually learn a lot more about this whole industry by checking out the documentary we made last year in the city of Adel. Uh, that documentary is called Abandoned, and you can find it on our website. And it's a really great explanation of what the wood pellet industry is and how harmful it can be to our environment. Um, and so anyway, the European Union is considering changes to its climate policies. They've been using wood pellets made from trees in the southeast to burn for electricity and claiming that this practice is carbon neutral. 
But now the European Union might change their stance. It turns out that wood pellets are not truly carbon neutral after all. So in this article I was reading, according to David Borax, who's a climate reporter at WFAE in Charlotte, North Carolina, he said burning wood pellets emits more carbon than coal does. And climate researchers say we should we also should include carbon emissions from the whole wood pellet supply chain in harvesting, trucking wood pellets to and from ports and shipping them to Europe on diesel burning ships. So it's a lot more than just burning the actual pellets of wood. And on top of that, trees themselves certainly are renewable, but it can take decades to regrow the forests that are lost to these operations. Furthermore, wood pellet plants are often located in communities of color and in lower income communities, like we saw in the city of Adel. So while these plants claim to be beneficial by bringing more jobs to low income communities, they also are bringing lots of dust, noise, pollution and truck traffic. So now the European Parliament is reconsidering its wood pellet rules. After years of criticism and lobbying from environmentalists on both sides of the Atlantic, the Environmental Committee approved new limits this month on using the wood that is harvested from primary forests. It's likely to come up for a vote in Parliament in September, and it'll be really interesting to see, you know, because this is like such a worldwide issue. It's happening over in Europe, but it's really going to affect lots of communities in Georgia and around the entire Southeast. Yeah, and um, Vicky Weeks, who we interviewed for our documentary Abandoned from the Dogwood Alliance, has been working, you know, in Parliament a lot over the last year. Um, And so it's really exciting for them. And I'm glad that some movement is happening. Yeah. And I, if I remember correctly, didn't she show part of the European parliament parts of our documentary as well? Yeah. Yeah. We made a special trailer for parliament. It is um, cool that we get to play a small part in this fight at least. And hopefully they do start reducing the amounts of wood pellets that they're burning. Definitely. Um, And yeah, speaking of burning things for energy, Mm -hmm. um, we have another update on coal ash. Um, We've talked a lot about coal ash on this podcast before, but now it's in the news again, of course. Georgia Power's plan to close in place some of its coal ash ponds is turning out to not be such a good idea, obviously. And it's also (laughs) and it's also violating a federal rule that prohibits coal ash um, to be in contact with groundwater. So um, double bad there. Uh, Georgia Power's 2022 Integrated Resource Plan, or IRP, which is updated every three years, calls for the company to continue phasing out its fleet of coal-burning plants and to step up its investment in natural gas and renewable energy. Um, some of that sentence uh, is moving in a positive direction, but you know we've talked about that before on the podcast. Um, And so we can cover that more another time. But the main point here is that simply covering coal ash ponds, uh, literally sweeping it under the rug, is never a responsible course of action. Coal ash contains contaminants, including mercury, cadmium, and arsenic that can pollute groundwater and drinking water, as well as the air. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency announced in January that it intends to enforce a 2015 rule prohibiting utilities from dumping ash generated by coal-burning power plants into unlined ponds. So they're going to start enforcing this cleanup, um, which is a great, uh, some great progress. Mm-hmm. There is some more positive movement by Georgia Power as the utility plans to excavate and remove from 19 of the ponds, but at the other 10 plants, 
their plan is to close them in place, which basically just means that at most of the plants, they're going to be taking away the coal ash and putting it somewhere else into presumably a safer location um, that isn't going to leak into the groundwater. But at 10 of the other plants, they're literally just going to leave the ash where it is and like cover it. Um, so one of the biggest uh, coal ash ponds is a 343 acre pond at plant Wansley um, in Heard County, which contains more than 16 million cubic yards of waste. Also, another plant in Monroe County um, has a 550 acre pond that contains more than 15 million cubic yards of waste. So the PSC will vote on Georgia Power's 2022 IRP plan um, this summer, which includes plans for shutting down all 29 coal power plants. And this is just another reason why voting is so important, as I know most of our listeners know, but the elected public service commission seats hold a ton of power in regulating what type of energy Georgia Power is focused on producing, including, you know, making sure that these coal plants are shut down and then the coal ash ponds are recycled or dealt with in a proper way. Yeah, exactly. It's so crazy how much power your votes hold for the Public Service Commission, how much that can really impact the environment, because they're the ones deciding on these closures and how it gets cleaned up and stuff like that. So it's a domino effect and your voice matters in these elections. Exactly. And <laughs> uh, other Georgia news, I guess, also related to elections, because we just elected Senator Ossoff to office over a year ago now, but mm -hmm. in other news, Ossoff has been coming out really strong recently in favor of protections for our beloved Okefenokee Swamp. Uh, and last week, he held a virtual press conference to discuss his continued efforts to protect the Okefenokee National Wildlife Refuge. Last year, Senator Ossoff surveyed the swamp and met with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife officials who oversee the land. And he urged a rigorous assessment of the potential environmental impacts of a proposed titanium mining development in the area. And this past January, he called on the EPA and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to halt titanium mining near the swamp and reinstate federal protections for the Okefenokee National Wildlife Refuge. Ossoff is asking for a joint effort between both parties and is calling on all environmental agencies to protect one of Georgia's most precious and natural resources. In a direct quote from Ossoff, he said, Overwhelmingly, the people of Georgia and of the local community treasure the Okefenokee Swamp. I'm soundingly alarmed because we need an all-hands-on-deck effort now to bring the pressure to bear necessary to save the Okefenokee Swamp from destruction. And so we just wanted to thank Senator Ossoff for standing up for clean land and water in our state, and we really hope to see action taken on this soon to protect the Okefenokee Swamp. And then we have one more story for you this week. So a few days ago, I read a really interesting article about how the fight for electric school buses is really a fight for environmental justice. If you haven't heard already, there's a big fight going on in Georgia and also around the country to convert school buses to be completely electric. So a little bit more about this. Converting school buses from gas to electric would help reduce toxic and climate warming carbon pollution. Uh, there's a really cool organization called Moms Clean Air Force, and they have helped to develop a list of equity recommendations for how to best begin to implement this change over to electric. So just to name a few of these practices, they recommend replacing the oldest and most polluting buses first, also implementing a system in which priority schools are identified to receive more funding than other schools. In order to determine what a priority school is, it would include the income levels, race, level of air pollution exposure, and health impact disparities 
uh, in these communities that would be defined as priority schools. This is because some school districts simply need to make the switch faster than others due to the fact that traffic pollution and other factors are just not equitably distributed. Historic policy decisions have often led to black, brown, and low-income communities to bear a large portion of transportation-related pollution. These harmful policy decisions need to be corrected, and switching school buses to be electric in these areas would be extremely helpful. This would help improve the health of community members, from students to bus drivers, and everyone else just living in the community who has to breathe in the fumes from these school buses taking kids to school every single day. And so I'm sure there will be much more developments on this in the weeks and months and years to come. Um, but for now, we just really want to emphasize that this is not just a fight to switch buses to be electric. It's really a much larger fight for environmental justice in general. And we hope you can get on board with us in this. Mm. And it's really interesting. One of the biggest producers of these electric buses that we've heard from before, I think we had an event with them was the Bluebird, I believe they're called the, mm -hmm. the they have one of the largest They're Well, they're based in Georgia and they, they're right. one of the largest manufacturers of school buses and they're really pushing for electric school buses. Um, so that's really interesting. It's another thing, I think with what we talked about two weeks ago, another mm -hmm. area where Georgia could be one of the leaders in electric vehicle manufacturers. Right. So thank you for listening to Greater Greener Georgia. Make sure to go back and listen to all of our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you in a couple weeks.